You're listening to Talk Over Me. Okay. Three, two, one. Hello, this is Isaac Michael. Welcome to the TomCast, where we talk about whatever we want, whenever we want. Right, guys? Right. I don't know. Shut up. Oh. I don't know. It's whatever. Today I'm joined by uh, my two brothers. The same three people he's always doing. All right, Carter. I don't need your back (laughs) back mouthing. You freaking. Hey. You freaking butthole. You freaking jerk. You're going to badmouth me? You're going to introduce the. He's the gang. I just did because I said the your name. Warriors. Can we be known works. as the gang? I can introduce you however you want. Yeah, can we be known as the, the gang? gang? Tom Gang. I Isaac like it. The gang. Um, <laughs> we have also decided that we're officially referring to our uh, listeners as Tomlets. Uh, whether I don't anybody else likes it or not. <laughs> I like it a lot. It kind of reminds me of the <laughs> Weird Al. It makes, reminds me of the Weird Al parody of Gangster Paradise. There's Amish Paradise. Yeah, that's a classic. There's a line in that song where he said, he says, I'm the pious guy the little omelets want to be like on my knees day and night scoring points for the afterlife. At any rate, I it took me a long time to realize what he, why he called them omelets. And then when I did, I was I, I was mean, amazed and astounded wait, what did he call, at his I don't, cleverness. I don't know. That song is actually really Okay, funny. here's the thing. Yeah. No, I want to stop this conversation. Weird Al is not bad. But to treat Weird Al as an incredibly intelligent person is farcical. Okay? <laughs> farcical. I was obviously being yeah, hyperbole. I know. Yes. But you're being hyperbole, but a lot of people but, okay, aren't. Hold on. That's Genius. the problem. I'm like, guys, this is parody music. This isn't like highbrow satire. This is just parody. You're absolutely right. It's true. But that it's song catchy. in particular is it's actually good. really also, funny. I, Yes. Also, his really Palooza on that fun. same album was really amazing. He, that album like the more is a good when I go album. back and think about it, like really, he's really clever good. in a lot of ways. I'll I'll give him that. He's very clever, but I, I don't know. He's comedy. There's a I reason just think that why at his, at his cr- he was. I agree with what you're saying. Big for he's mostly big for people that are in middle school to early high school. You know what I'm saying? Ouch. <laughs> okay. I'm Ooh. I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say this though. Yeah. I just think that you're right. I agree with you. But at his craft. He's, I, as he's, far as I know, he's oh, unmatched. unmatched of music parody. Unmatched. I think most music but, comedy so, is pretty just cheap and not that good. So you can, right. So you can say, like, and I agree with what you're saying, that, like, as a form, that's not really that big of a deal, and it sh- nothing should, in within that right. form, should get even, that much but, praise. But he is the yes, best at what he does. Even stuff like, uh, like, Bo slash Wolverine comedy, like, music comedy skits, or sections of his music it's comedy. Bo Burnham Ugh. And who's another? Like, Dimitri Martin, his music sections. I'm just never a fan. Like I don't know if I would call that a out... parody. No, no, that's what I mean. Though. I was trying to say I'd separate like parody and music comedy. You know what I'm saying? Like it, parody is a subset yeah. of music comedy. You know what I'm saying? Dimitri Martin's was. De- it's not bad. It's just like I like his stand-up better. You know what I'm saying? Whenever he pulled out his guitar, I was just like, okay, I'm just waiting for the good stuff to come around. You know what I'm saying? Like I just had to get. Yeah, there was one point where he did the he did the piano one that was was pretty funny. Yeah, but he really it's, didn't need a piano. The piano didn't I'm add anything it to it. it. It's impossible to be funny. Yeah. it's just that that's not. What I got I'm you. Sure. I got you. It's not the golden yes. funny part funny. of his humor. At any rate, um, I think that we should do. Lord knows we are. Okay. A uh, what do you call it? Icebreaker topic. Yeah, why not? So, 
I wanted I wanted to talk to you guys about um, Would You Rather because it's a classic game and I I did a lock-in recently and I was like, man, this was like the number one lock-in game. Would You Rather is one of the most underrated games, I'd say. It's it's pretty great. It's definitely the best icebreaker yeah, game. It's appropriate. It's better than like go around the room and tell me two interesting things. Your name, where you graduated high school. That could, okay, okay, hold on. All right, I want to I want to be fair to that game. Going around, like saying interesting things about yourself could be fine if people if, knew what was interesting about. Them. If people were interesting, <laughs> like uh, no, there are interesting things about people. I'm I'm sure that everyone has something interesting about them, but like they won't say it for some reason. I don't know what their problem is. They're just like, oh, I play soccer. Like shut it's up. Not interesting. Shut up. Put all your faith in them. Freaking, uh, sometimes I wear two different colored socks. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Form your identity and be That's an adult already. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, How anyway, do you really so... feel? Childhood solved. <laughs> so here's the would you rather. Wait, um, all right, this is, here we go. You ready? Would you rather have mm-hmm. nipples on your cheeks or nipples on your tongue? Man's or woman's Wait, nipples? Uh, oh, good question. I'm gonna say also how sensitive are they? That, they are. They are quite sensitive, but they're like the Ooh. the style, like the, the aesthetic of nipple that you are gender would have. Does that make sense? Okay, so just the same nipple that I have right now, just move. Yes, yeah, your nipples aren't on your what chest. What are the options? Now they're either cheeks. on your cheeks or okay. your tongue Ooh. or tongue. Ooh, cheeks, cheeks. Absolutely. absolutely cheeks. Yeah, cheeks. I'll just be Although, cheeks. if I'm being honest, how much is that different nipples. between the feelings of my cheeks or of my nipples and my tongue? You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm not talking like taste wise. I'm just talking like sensation. Yeah. What if my nipples taste bad? Well, I think like, you would just be. That would just be the common taste. Like you wouldn't know. Well, you wouldn't taste your. Yeah, nipples you wouldn't know. Be like part of your tongue. It would be like you don't taste your tongue. What if you know what I'm saying? Like, I think my problem is like if you bit your tongue, it would like be doubly worse because you'd be biting your nipple. That sounds horrid. It does. Those are pretty tender. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, with nipples on your ch- the thing is with nipples on your tongue, no one would ever have to see it, you know. Unless you stuck your tongue out. But you're like a freaking embarrassment to mankind if you got nipples on your face. I'd rather be a, an embarrassment to mankind than eating be that obnoxious. Yeah, I, I agree too. I agree with you guys. So maybe it wasn't that great. Basic of a question. human function, or have a couple people make fun of you. Yeah, that's yeah. That's what it, I think. That's what it comes to. That's what oh, I like cheeks. about "Would You Rather" is that they can seem like these dumb surface level questions, but they can actually tell you something deeper about yourself. Would you yeah. rather have your uh, knee broken or all the fingers of your right hand or dominant hand broken? One knee? Do I get to choose oh, right. a knee or both knees? Yeah. Just one knee. Is this just permanently, or is this like just no? It just happens. Like, right like someone now. is coming up with a bat. Do you like? Do you hope that they break I'll your knee, or do I'll you take, hope that they break your finger? I'll take my knees because my livelihood is my, my hands. Knee. Like I can't, I can't get paid without my hands. Yeah, yeah right, hands. right now I, uh, I kind of need my hands for uh, <laughs> certain things. You know what I'm saying? Wow. <laughs> you know that sometimes, all the time. Playing video games is what I mean. So, yeah, I'm you're sure. talking. So you're saying you would choose knee? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm choosing my knee also. Mm-hmm. I think that speaks to all of our laziness, except for maybe uh, Seth's, because his actually depends on his job. Yeah. Well, my thing is, like, I'm very left-handed, which is my dominant hand, so if it's broken, I'm screwed. We're done. It's game over. I guess one thing I, I'm thinking is that I feel like 
I feel like, and maybe I'm just totally wrong on this, but in my head, like, fingers can repair themselves. You know, not repair themselves, but, like, um, I mean, like recover more easily than, like, your knee can. That's fair. That's fair. If you, that's true. That's true. If you break your knee, but my thing is, like, knee a knee is just forever. an inconvenience. You know what I mean? Like, for the most part. Like, when your knee's broken, it's like, oh, man. Getting up these stairs is a little bit Crutches difficult, right, but like they? with my hand, oh, I need to pour myself a glass of milk. Well, oh, I need to type something Ooh. on the computer. Well, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's like yeah. everything. You're you're disabled at that point. I still think I'm going to say fingers, but for the Here's... sole reason that when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I straight up, and tell me if you guys remember this. I, I had this thought. I was like, what if I lost an arm? I'm like, man, that would be so crazy. Like, what if I lost my right arm? And so I would train doing things with only my left arm and of course i I like chose the most important things in life like opening a can of soda (laughs) very important very important top of the line and and being able to like shower with one arm like it's just like just random things i make what if i only had one i've done this okay you know i've done you know when you break an arm you get the cast right and like the the thing is you put you got to put the black bag over your like arm or or over your leg Mm -hmm. or whatever whatever the cast is that is so obnoxious and like surprisingly not not difficult to put it on but to shower with it on you're just like it's so inconvenient i hate it that's the worst (laughs) part of breaking your arm that and people constantly asking you what happened like Jeez, like, I don't. I just fell on the stairs. I've never broken my arm. I, I broke my collarbone one time, but that wasn't too. Angry. Okay, if you had an interesting story, that could be fun. But but yeah, if, if yeah, if you broke it in a dumb way, then that wouldn't be fun yeah. at all. Yeah, mine was just running around chasing a kid, and I slipped and tore a ligament in my elbow. Like Dang. you know what I'm saying? Like that's how I that's how I broke something. I just got tackled uphill. Nice. <laughs> you know, broke the laws of physics. <laughs> I had when I broke my pinky. See? I. It was you broke like your pinky when too. We were Boy Scouts. Here we are with the Boy Scouts again. I forgot yeah, about I that. Yeah, I broke my pinky on my left hand, and I was like, yeah. we had just played dodgeball, and I was asking some kid like, because I was holding the bag of balls to like that we put inside, like mm-hmm. all the when we're picking up the balls, um, and I was like, mm-hmm. yo, dude, throw me the ball, basically. And the throw kid me was the like, rock. All right, I'll throw it as I'll hard as I possibly rock. can. And so he just like chucks it at me, and I try to catch it, and I guess it just bent my finger back too far. Alas broke my pinky and like it was like one of those things that's like it seems so like how can anyone break their pinky trying to catch a ball you know what i'm saying like a like a you managed a it. small congratulations st- like styrofoam ball basically no styrofoam okay foam ball oh it wasn't even like a, a legit no it was like a ball. foam it was like ball. wow that's crazy one of those fake soccer balls how did you yeah and so i was like oh, man those things were hard though i know exactly what you're talking about because we yeah. have the same troop. those things yeah. actually like really hurt they were hardcore hard. they are but they're not like but Wait, you're talking time, about the dodgeballs? Breaking... Oh, those were rubber. No, no, no. No, no, no. I... There was, like, foam, like, yellow soccer ball-looking mm. things. Yeah, 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 they were, like, squishy. That we use for dodgeball. It might have been after your time, because they bought oh, okay. new ones at some point. <laughs> Anyways, point is, they're very unthreatening, okay? Until they break your finger. Not very imposing, okay? Until they Yeah, and so I, like, went through the whole, like, day... Or the rest of the night, just being like, man, my pinky kind of hurts, but not being like, it's probably broken. Until finally I was like going to bed and I was like, you know, this is still throbbing. Like, this is, this hurts. So I like, went to mom and dad. And, and he looked like, at his pinky and it was in a lightning bolt shoot. I was like, you know, my pinky still really hurts. So mom was like, looks like you broke it. She knew because I broke my finger and then she told me that I wasn't broken for like a month. She was like, just get over it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> nice. Mom, don't listen to this. <laughs> She feels super guilty about it. Anyway. That sounds like something mom and dad would do. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next question. That was a good story, though. 
Would you? This is my obligatory Shark Week question. Um, would you rather be a hammerhead shark or a goblin shark? What is a goblin shark? It's a goblin shark. You don't know what a goblin? Okay, hold on. Nope. Posting a picture of it. We'll have to put a picture in the uh, show notes. You can Google it. You know how to use it. Freaking look at that! Oh, Absolutely a hammerhead. <laughs> Screw this nonsense. We'll have no, to run I want to image through a static generator. Okay, it's like be goofy or be absolutely horrendous. I would you know rather be like, goofy. I think I'll choose goofy. I'd rather be the goblin shark. I mean, either way, your eyes are on the side here. This is, you know what this looks like? What? Do you guys remember Dinosaurs the film? Yes. Like it oh, came out like 2001 no. or I saw the bed sheets of that the other day at my <laughs> mom and dad's yes. house. Burger King used to put before their feet in the lettuce. No. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Burger King used to put these like fake, like plastic, like puppets that you put over your hand, and you it would just be like the the, the head of one of the characters from Dinosaur. Oh yeah, Burger yeah, Burger. yeah. And that's what this looks like. <laughs> You're right. Well, this is probably like a dried out one and everything. Like, there's other there are better pictures of them, but they're like underwater, and so they're kind of unclear. Anyway, whatever. But like, yeah, this is like a dead one that they like. He's in a PS2 startup screen. But they can like retract their mouths. Yeah, I see. I see what you're talking about. They can like retract, their, and it stretches out like really far. <laughs> it's disgusting. I would, t- <laughs> I would totally be a goblin shark. It's freaking disturbing. It does look like a it's goblin. The stuff of Whoever nightmares. named this named it appropriately. Yeah, it looks like a goblin. Yeah, they're one of the few scientists who knows what they're doing. <laughs> the grown the shark. I mean, I guess the hammerhead shark the also shark, makes sense. Yes. The hammerhead shark. Like, you do not want to go in the ocean. Only grooms live there now. Jeez. <laughs> anyway. Okay, one more. All right, one more, one more, one more. Would you rather be an eel or a piranha? Eel. Eel, because I'm freaking eel. delicious. Man, we are so, we are too similar. Why are we doing a podcast together? <laughs> Should we rename this to the echo chamber? There's some difference in opinion in here. Yeah, it's sound related. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Circle Jerk. We're saying whatever the other people want, whenever we want. We can't name it that. Yes, you're so right. We should make that. <laughs> Seth, a very... A very uh very adamant about circle jerks. I'm on theme, always, always on brand. So we're gonna move on to our main topic now, in which uh, I have decided that we will talk about comic books. Specifically, uh, we are going to be talking about why it's a viable it. medium and why why they still matter today. Mm. So I would like to get everybody's opinions first on why it is a viable medium and why you like them so much. Maybe maybe list one of your personal favorite comics and we're gonna start with nate okay i feel like visual novels oh. <laughs> not visual novels graphic novels i know <laughs> Did on purpose. okay i was like that's the wrong you. thing Graphi- he, he told us he would do graphic that novels <laughs> sorry i had to follow through with that don't break promises you know what i'm saying oh, well, i appreciate anyway, it anyway um so graphic novels okay so one thing that i think is Good is that they cross a bridge between people who are very focused on visual media um, and aren't don't like read books, you know what I mean? And gives them like a shot at like it kind of helps bridge the gap to books for them. I don't know if that actually happens, but in concept, it sounds like it would work. And I saw like a library have something about it. Like uh, I think it was one of the libraries in Tulsa, and they were having some kind of like comic reading. Um, like movement not movement but like program where they were trying to get kids to like young boys to like read comic books 
in the hopes that they would eventually start reading books when they're older because of how little people read books anymore. I'm not sure if that's actually true. Like, I don't know. I don't have any statistics about that, but like, it sounds reasonable. Sounds good on paper. The thing that I enjoy about comic books, about graphic novels, is that I like that they are inherently like a group effort. Does that make any sense? So, like, with writing a book, you can just write. I mean, these days. Yeah, it's usually like solo and individual. Right. And these days, I mean, you can do everything, the entire process by yourself if you want to. But with graphic novels, and I suppose someone could do the whole thing themselves, but that's just unrealistic, and I don't know of any cases where that's happened. And so you have, you know, you have the person writing, but then you also have the the artist, and sometimes you have, like, a separate, like, artist and colorer, and then you have, like, separate letterists sometimes, or whatever those are called, and then on top of that you can have an editing and blah, 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 blah. So... I feel like it's more that it being like a group effort creates a different atmosphere for them and allows them to be a little bit more refined. And also because of the limitations of the format, I think sometimes they end up being more concise in, in their storytelling methods. Sometimes that's not good, I will admit, but sometimes it's, it makes a story much better for them to be concise. For not every, uh, you know, for comic books not being able to be Game of Thrones sometimes makes them better stories. I want to go to what you said about the group effort type thing. The idea of the novel is oftentimes romanticized as a very individual process. Like you have the idea of the the image of the author going out into the woods of Wisconsin or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just to some log cabin and coming out with like a manuscript. Thanks, Alan supposed Wake. to be like, exactly. Oh, exactly. I was going to say Alan Wake. So you have like this romanticized vision of how an author writes his book. And I mean, everyone has a different processes, but you're right in the sense that that's not, always necessarily true you know what i'm saying like it doesn't have to be written as a group effort but it most often is this giant group effort of story and different like characterizations and whatnot i mean i can't imagine it not having any feedback you know right. like as you sent like the writer obviously has to be going has to go first and then it's going to go to the artist and everything but eventually that stuff is going to come back to the writer when they finalize the dialogue and and what's fitting into the yeah. uh, narrative descriptions and everything and so I'm sure that he can change it based on the art. Yeah, and I don't know, know if this is how it works, but I'm sure. I, I wonder if it works similar to how they do stuff like um, storyboarding in animated films, where they, you know, what I'm saying they decide mm-hmm. they have to decide beforehand what's being said and what it's going to look like. You know, what I'm saying from like start to finish before they, right. you know, what I'm saying they have to have all the scenes hammered out before they start doing a whole lot of animation. Um, and I wonder if it's very similar. Mm-hmm. I would imagine they'd have to do something along that line. I think yeah. that they, I think that they do do like a lot of storyboarding. I can I couldn't imagine it just going from a writer directly yes. to an artist and then an artist trying to just drive from like a narrative description. Trying, but to this is also coming from that. four people that don't know how to draw uh, and have never created a story. So <laughs> I can kind of draw. Uh, three people. Carter actually can draw. He just, just doesn't. Typical. Like an idiot. Right, listen, it's hard. I know it's hard, but you're good at it. Do it more. Draw, draw Goblin Shark right now while we're doing the podcast. <laughs> Go. No, I will not put that on paper. <laughs> It'll come alive and eat me. Terrifying. All right. Nate, I'm going to throw one a... more thing out there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry. One more. I like that in graphic novels, they can create a tone and keep it consistent more easily than in a novel. In a novel, you know, you're going to have different kinds of scenes. You're going to have, like, action scenes, and you're going to have, like, romance scenes, and blah, 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 blah. And it's hard to, you know, you want the same tone throughout your whole story. 
And with something that is just descriptive, like writing, it's much harder to keep the reader thinking that through that same lens the entire time, right? Because you're, you're jumping to a different type of scene, and they automatically are going to insert different filters based on what they understand like a love scene looks like. Yeah. But if you're if you have a graphic novel, then you can apply that same aesthetic to all of your scenes more easily and like keep the audience still sticking with the vis- like the the world that they're in. Yeah, and they can even like using it in kind of an opposite direction. They can even use visual cues to signal certain like type of tonal changes. Right, yeah, absolutely. So do you have a particular like favorite graphic novel type thing? that you want to mention? Uh, I don't know. I really love the ones that Image does. I feel like they're a bit higher quality. But Oh, uh, for the tonal thing that, that I, I, I would like to mention, it's uh, Lee Meyer's run of Moon Knight. It handles, like, um, mental illness, like, in an extremely sensitive and interesting way. Like, he's not just like, oh, he's crazy! But it's actually, like, a statement for the broader real-life people with mental illness. It looks, it's like the whole thing's like a dream, but like they keep a tonal consistency somehow, even though it's at one point you think that he's like in an insane asylum and he's, this is all like his like dreamscape. At another point you think that, oh wait, he's actually in this like Egyptian version of heaven. And oh, at this point you think that um, he's, you know, this is some mind guy's crazy labyrinth (laughs) or something. And so it's like, but somehow they keep the whole thing with this, like, consistent visual that I think you would have lost if it was just written as a book. It would have been, like, all over the place. So, uh, next we'll move to Seth, because I know that you don't have a whole lot of experience, but I think I value your opinion. I have, like, this torn experience with comic books and graphic novels, because it's not that I haven't Mm -hmm. read that much. You only have so much time for so many interests, and that one always just took, like, it was always just, like, so far down the list that I never seemed to, like, make enough time for it. Like, I'd rather, mm-hmm. Most of the time, I'd rather just read a book than read a comic. The strength of a graphic novel is the graphics. It's not the novel aspect mm-hmm. of it. So you're saying that because of the fact that it's already visualized, that could detract from the overall message. It's not distracting, but takes more of a front no, seat, maybe? Not quite, because I think, I think movies have a lot of depth, and they're mostly visual. So it's not necessarily like it has to be written in order for it to have depth. I don't think I've experienced a comic that has as much depth as the novels I've experienced. So what you're saying is you don't think that comics have like reached their full potential. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's still, there's still room to grow as far as comics are concerned. Cause typically I feel like they're, they've grown past the idea of just superhero and action comics. Mm-hmm. Cause that was prevalent for the majority of its life. They're very pigeonholed into that Mm -hmm. and image has done a really good job of expanding that as well as many other independent publishings mangas as well have really helped i think i think inspirationally it's definitely accurate to say that they've helped kind of like the especially with the concept of like having those huge shots like the one giant panel and and like making like a big statement yeah picture and mangas definitely genre wise do have more depth than western comic they're more willing to dip into things such as like drama and uh romance entitled or genre such as that i don't know if that Uh, automatically makes them deeper but i see what you're saying no i I wasn't sorry i wasn't trying to say I wasn't trying to say deeper with that. I was trying to say wider. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I was broader. Trying to say they gotcha. have more jo- Yes, broader. But you're right. Depth, 
width and depth are two separate things. Well, it doesn't make them deeper, but like they'll they'll diverge a little bit. There is more depth to graphic novels than people give them credit for. I just still think that there could be more. Yeah, it's like you you read something like Private Eye and you're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing, or you like see Saga right. or whatever, and and it's like, oh wow, and but then. Them, still the vast majority of it is not really worth your time. Yeah, and I would say that it is a little bit limiting that largely the medium is perceived as just a, for pure entertainment and not for the purposes of intellectual. Like, intellectual like kind of stimulation there. Even though throughout its history, X-Men and so many other like big name comics have been examining intense subjects from a different point of view. Yeah. It's still mainly seen as this is for entertainment and it just might happen to have these other themes and stuff to it. Right. And that's what that's that's what that's one of the points I was trying to make is I think there's yeah. more depth yeah. than it's attributed. But I still don't think that a comic book has made me think as deeply as something that like a Cormac McCarthy wrote or something that was like like uh, Things Fall Apart by Chinua de Chijibe or something. You know what I'm saying? Like those are books that I can look at and be like... Yeah, I wouldn't ever rank any graphic novel up in my like top 25 novels. Right. There's no there's no Dostoevsky's of, of comics. Yeah. But you'd think that like you'd think that like Alan Moore would have inspired like more. Yeah, and like there, there is some depth. He is nuts, yes. But sometimes it takes a nuts person to write something good. You know what I'm saying? Like, Nietzsche was nuts. He is nuts, but I'm just saying he's, like, popular, and and he was exploring some, like, deep themes, and it was like, that's, like, all it was. It wasn't very entertaining. Oh, yeah. Lost Girls is very bad. Interesting, but bad. Seth, do you you have a particular favorite in terms of uh, the graphic novel medium? My favorite graphic novel is a very short run. And it's kind of non-canonical for the Marvel Universe, but it was a six-run series of Sentry, like his introductory as a superhero. The reason why I was attached to it so much and why I consider him probably my favorite superhero now is because I, as far as like intellectual depth, I feel like this one tackles the most of at least the Marvel comics. Um, of what I've experienced, this is the most intellectual depth. It tackles a lot of themes of power and sacrifice, uh, self-sacrifice, mm-hmm. insanity, and kind of perception. It was really good. And without, you know what I'm saying? Without spoiling, there's not that much to spoil necessarily because comics typically aren't that, are pretty predictable. Yeah, I would agree um, with that. So, but it's it's short and it'll take you like maybe an hour to read all of it. If you have Marvel Unlimited, they're all on there go read them they're worth your time so i've been really excited about this topic i'm actually kind of getting back into comics because of it i kind of took a little bit of a break from it but i'm getting back into it and i think that like kind of Mm. i i agree with most of what seth said i think that it is an underused medium and that it could be um explored in deeper ways and everything but i think that there's so much to how you connect with the characters and the ability of the storytelling because it's a visual medium in the same way that movies have an entirely different way of telling you a story through facial expressions and everything. And a really good comic book artist can do that with their comics. I think a great example of this is in two black and white comics, uh, the walking dead and the manga berserk, especially in berserk, the main character guts rarely ever talks you can tell that he's like what he 
what he thinks of everything and who he is, even with the little bit of dialogue that he says and just, but just through his facial expressions, you can, you can really connect with that character. And then with Rick in the walking dead comics, certain amount of emotion that the artist has put into it. The walking dead is kind of infamous later on for uh, getting lazy with its art direction. But early on, you can tell that the artist really cares about making you feel something with the, with the art direction. There's a certain amount of connection that you can really get to the characters through the art and through the different coloring and everything. And I think that there's so much more nuance to the medium than people give it credit for. One of my favorite things to talk about with people that like comics that a lot of people don't notice, and I notice all the time, is paneling. Paneling is so important for comics, and it's one of the reasons why I don't read a lot of manga, is because I feel that the paneling in manga is confusing most of the time and kind of lazily done and it's not really clear like how it's supposed to flow and the pacing of it but um there's really interesting ways also, of it's using... backwards what's up with that yeah what the fuck is up with it being backwards dude um oh, one of my favorite examples is in uh swamp thing in animal man they had a crossover in new at the beginning of new 52 and both of them animal both of them kind of had this thing where they used the, like a large scene as the paneling. So um, in Swamp Thing, it was like showing the connection to everything else. And it had him like kind of standing in the middle um, of the panel, like being the middle split. And then vines coming oh, off of yeah, him yeah. I've seen stuff to like that. split all the panels. Oh, I love that. It's, re- it's so cool. And there, the uh, same sort of thing happens in Animal Man. So there's really unique paneling, but then there's also very simple paneling that does so much. One of Nate and I's favorite comics, Straight Bullets. I need to read Straight Bullets if you talk it up all the time. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. It rarely ever goes off of the formula of a two by four layout of its panels. So it's two wide and four down. So you just read left to right and then drop one down, left to right, drop one down, left to right. And it perfectly paces the story, and they really, I think they try really hard to pace, like, to pace the dialogue within that. And whenever they, they recognize when they need to stray off of that and have one big panel or one that covers two, so maybe the bottom mm-hmm. one will be too wide, it will take up two spaces, essentially. So there's, there's so many different things that, nuances to the, to the medium that can be used, and I think that people just haven't really thought about it that much or haven't don't notice it as often because they just kind of write it off so early as just, as just kind of this childish entertainment. Um, and I would say that one of my favorites is, um, Mm. I don't know. I have so many, that's a cop out, but I'm going to say that I have, I have so many, But Isaac reads a lot of comics, man. Uh, one of my favorites is Invincible Iron Man. It's the one that really got me like into comic books. For a while, I had like kind of my dad would buy them here and there, and I'd have like different. I'd have like Alpha Force yes. comics, like number one, number Alpha three, Force. number seven, uh, eight, nine. Of a flight, actually. Twelve, like that. Like that's. Thank you like, for I'd the I'd have different smatterings of these comics, and so I'd kind of like. <laughs> I would have these different uh, parts of the storyline, and I never really knew that 
it had a storyline for a long time. Um, Alpha Flight was weird. One, at least. Alpha Flight was freaking weird. Hey, let's weird. kill our main character in the second issue. Spoilers. Spoilers, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Sorry, it was third issue. I bet. I'm kidding, I don't care. But the main character had such a cool outfit. I know, I know. But Vindicator was better than Guardian. But second Guardian okay. was better than Vindicator. <laughs> I love Alpha Flight. <laughs> All right. But the one that got me in, back into comic books is Invincible Iron Man. Um, I love Iron Man as a character. I think that he is a deep character that people underappreciate. Probably because the movies don't have that deep of a character. I'm smart and a jerk. And drunk. That's true. It's still there, Beep though. Beep boop. No, no, no. Yeah, it's totally... It's, no, it's... It's, totally there, it's still there. Watch no, the third Iron Man movie. Ah! All I'm saying is, like... Third Iron Man movie's really good. Yeah, third Iron Man's... It, I mean, it was there a little bit inside of Civil War, but not nearly as much as it could have been. I don't... Um, it was just like, oh, I have a little bit of eternal... internal. Conflict. Yes, you're right. Wow. And I... It's, an, wow. it's a shame. Usually I'm pretty good about remembering my comic book authors that's another thing people don't give enough credit to the authors of comic books and how they actually have their own style and everything except one and he gets way too much credit well i don't sweden yeah i mean (laughs) yes yes sweden is not as good as people think he is um i would say that like i understand why people don't give enough credit to the authors because comic books have been treated as a character first format, not yeah. as an author first. You know what I'm saying? Like you, yeah. when you yeah. read a book, you're reading a, a James Joyce book, or you're re- you know what I'm saying, or you're reading a Stephen mm-hmm. King book. You're not, you know what I'm saying? Yes, um, I yeah. I understand yeah. it. I just yeah, but it's but in comic books, it's like you're reading an Iron Man comic. Okay, I also have to say that Invincible Iron Man, I borderline hate the artwork in that comic. <laughs> I will say that I do not like fight, the artwork. Fight, it's fight. Oh. no, no. I agree with you. I don't like it. It everything is way too shiny. Even people's skin. Um, I'm like, why does skin. why does Iron Man have lipstick on? But I I actually <laughs> don't mind it that much when it's a person to person talk. I I don't really like it when he's in the suit though. Even though that's what some of my favorite action scenes because uh, Iron Man is basically just doing mech fights the whole time and it's great. I'm actually surprised you didn't say. Uh, invincible. Not invincible, but invincible. In I credit that that's what I was really torn between is invincible Iron Man mm. and invincible. Okay, so I was like, huh, like you, from what you haven't talked about, I it a ton love to me, invincible. Really like that. Thing. So uh, wait, invincible Iron Man is by Bendis. Oh, yeah. I was. Um, Most things are by Bendis. Well, what was it? Bendis did trash. Was it, what was it between the two that had you torn exactly? Well. Um, Invincible was a right thing at the right time sort of thing. It was a time where I just didn't really go out of the house much, and I found this comic, and wow, there's... It's changed. Oh my gosh, I hate you. (laughs) No, I actually, like, I actually, like, didn't hang out with people at all, like, not even online or anything, and I was just spending time by myself, and so I came across this comic, and wow, there's over a hundred of these things, and I can... Pirate them all and read I mean, them, buy them in one sitting. <laughs> and so over three days, I Whoa. just locked myself in a room and oh, I read through all of Invincible, and it sent me through a roller coaster of emotions. And also, it the my selling point on Invincible, and everybody should go read Invincible. 
Um, it is your kind of classic Superman sort of story, but and you you think that and but it's like from a teenager's perspective type thing, but then it completely subverts your expectations when you hit like issue ten, I think it is, and it completely throws you for a loop, and from then on it is just. Like, you will not know what to expect from Invincible. Like, it's... It just goes insane from there. Carter! What? Oh, right. That... It's your turn, dude. Hit me with it. I know, like, I'm kind of with Seth, but I haven't read... Isaac, definitely at the top, having read the most. I don't know, you've read a lot of manga, and we're including I know, I do read a lot of that, but, like... I do want to get more into Western graphic novels, for sure. Uh, every time people bring up stray bullets, I'm like, mm, maybe I should read that. I can send you a list of what to read. Well, obviously, me myself, being a massive eye-gouging quoter on this word, artist, with a big interest in visual design, obviously, and a graphic novel, being the majority of it being visual, obviously I'm going to get into that. But on the on kind of like the side of Seth, it has... Even with manga, and you said like the subject material is a little more broad, even then, they, it kind of meshes together. Like you get a big pile of romance fiction, a big pile of mystery fiction, and it just kind of meshes together. So it, it probably can. It has more to strive yeah. for, definitely, uh, in terms of being like on par with other forms of literature, but still having its own merit. Not being the same. It kind of always sucks to be the last person to talk because you're just like, yeah, everything everyone else said, I guess. Yeah, it does. Because I'm like, dang. Well, so there's nothing in particular that like we haven't said that you don't that you find very valuable about the medium. I have one last point. I feel like it, 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 there's something that Nathaniel said, and also Isaac said that uh, played into this. Nathaniel, when you first started talking, you were talking about. Uh, li- the library. Oh yeah, the yeah, library's yeah. movement to get young mm. uh, males. And Isaac, you were talking about that people treat them immature, mm-hmm. as an immature form. I feel like similar. Like those two are obviously go hand in hand. Like you can obviously see the parallel that I'm driving here. Is that um, it's uh, comic books have an accessibility. And I think people oftentimes associate the accessibility with um, with shallowness. The it, Yes, exactly. Just similar, similar to the art form of video games, which we, I think, yeah, mostly or not mostly, but we are well on our way to transcending this view um, of video games being a young adult thing, um, My, having no value other than entertain. Yeah, exactly. Mindless entertainment. I think we're kind of getting away from that and as uh, holistically, but there for a long time it still suffered from the same thing of. Uh, video games are access- very accessible, especially for uh, younger audiences, and so it's treated and marketed towards, oftentimes it's marketed towards younger audiences. I will say, though, one thing as with the marketing, um, I don't know, they've done this really well with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They've really opened the door, for the most part, for uh, uh, female viewership. Um, I remember, like, before Iron Man came out, and it's not that I was talking to a lot of 
uh, girls. Because when have you ever? Books. No, you Wow. Shut up. But the idea of comic books was very masculine. Mm-hmm. It was very yeah, big buff masculine yeah. identity. It was very Fight Club. Yes, and a bunch of greasy uh, teenagers sitting in a, their mom's basement. That was the view of comic book readers. But I feel like with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's really opened the way for it being mm. uh, a family-friendly and including the uh, females inside of every household. Yeah. Um, the females. Um <laughs> So I, I I do appreciate that and that it's it is um, doing a good job in a way kind of um, fulfilling what a lot of more progressive minded people are trying to fulfill with some some modern movements. So hmm. I think they've they've done a really good job without ham fisting it. Um, yeah, at least in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like they didn't feel like they needed to go they overboard they with feminine. Too. Yes, with nice. with feminine characters, they have Black Widow. Pepper Potts is really weak. Um, well, with Black Panther, the character. female characters were really strong. I felt like, sorry, yes, and we're, we're yes, both like feminine and powerful. Exactly, and I, that's one thing I appreciate. That's kind of what Wonder Woman went for, but I don't know if it fulfilled that. I think, I think it does. I think it did do a decent job distinguishing itself as like a woman in the time. I don't. I still don't. A lot of people said that it was a very empowering movie for women. I have I didn't I don't understand it, but that's also coming from a place where I'm a man. Well, I think the fact that Wonder Woman has for a long time stood as a feminine a figure of feminine power, and for that movie to come out and to be successful and also directed by a woman, it was a powerhouse of females, not necessarily in substance is what gave them female empowerment but just out of the fact that it existed and the fact that it succeeded was empowering. There have there hasn't been a place in the past for uh, women to really like feel connected with comic books, except for maybe in X Men, which that's because X Men kind of took it upon themselves to like bring in outcasts through their medium. The whole, I mean, the whole undertone and overtones of the mutants and everything in the X Men. That's the whole point. Is like the minority or the outcasts or whatever. So it's. That it was a place for, I think, women a while back. But I, what I'm noticing now is that there is places in comics for women. One of my favorite comics to read right now is Rat Queens, which is a fantasy comic book about powerful women just going around and doing quests. And it's basically like D&D the comic, but with an all-woman group. And there's stuff like Paper Girls, which is like kind of a weird... Uh, sci-fi thing and even even a horror comic like witches has a female lead and there's mm. there's just so many places for it and saga yeah and that's a powerhouse of a comic right now i think that there is a very strong place and a very large place for women to fit into this uh landscape right now in terms of comic books and so i i guess what i'm trying to say here is that the comic book um, medium is welcoming to all sorts of different audiences and whether you like superheroes or just regular sci-fi or kind of a slice of life thing or um, fantasy it, there's a place for you and you can find the comic that you want to read and the comic that will make you feel empowered okay. so the reason why I haven't read a ton of western graphic novels is because I'm not like I enjoy it I can enjoy it I'm not a huge like superhero 
Oh, I usually want more like isolate their own thing stories. Mm. Uh, so that's probably why I haven't read it. But you know, yeah, that's fair. With superhero comics, there is a lot of cruft, like a lot of like you're you're reading one one person's run of a comic, but you also have to have to some extent some prior back knowledge, prior knowledge. Yeah, yeah. that's why it's hard to because you're just like, where do I start? I don't know what's going on. Yes, and also sometimes you run into the situation where you're like you you're reading one run, but that run also goes over some like giant event, and then you have this one oh. or two comics that's completely out of context. We can, so like, we should really talk about that another time. But like something like yes. Invincible, I'll probably read because it's its own thing. But like I probably won't read a ton of Marvel and DC stuff because it's. Shout out to Marvel Unlimited. That's all I'm going to say. That is a great deal. Yes. Phenomenal deal. Sponsored yeah, by... I Ima- really Ima- wish that Image yes. had it. I would read the crap out of Image comics. So, okay, we need to move forward. And now it's time for... The TomCast Music Recommendations Section. Enjoy. So, uh, as is with every a week or podcast, we give you some suggestions on what music we think that you should listen to. Uh, who wants to go first this week? I'll go ahead and go. Uh, this week, I'll recommend uh, Electric Octopus. Electric Octopus. Uh, and their okay. album, Vibe Factory. I'm digging this. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll suggest actually two albums, because my friend... Okay. Vibe Factory. I keep getting tongue tied. I'm sorry. Vibe Factory is more of an EP, but for for that album, I'll recommend the Ape Six song, Vibe Factory. But for a longer album, also just their album, Driving Under the Influence of Jams, song New Jam Number One. I'm gonna do the artist Courtney Barnett. Uh, Her album, Sometimes I Sit and Think, and Sometimes I Just Sit. Uh, it's a really good album. Uh, it came out 2015. The best song, the most well-known song, and like just a really good song is off that album is Pedestrian at Best. Just kind of like an alternative rock. It's just really good. She's from Melbourne, so she has like a pretty thick Australian accent, and that really comes out in summer songs. I find accents don't come out singing that much. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know what's up with that. That's a weird thing. That sometimes people don't have accents unless when they're singing. Like, I wonder if that's just some sort of like it's usually like weird English singers. That, you know, yeah, but then sometimes you have people like The Clash or 1975 where they have a thick, thick British accent. It, uh, it probably just depends on how you're singing. It's probably, yeah, it probably just has to depend on like, it's probably just some weird like mental thing, like everyone trying to imitate American music. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to get this big. Either way, Courtney Barnett, Pedestrian at Best. Yeah. Also, Depreston. Mm. That's a really good song, but only allowed to do one. So, Pedestrian <laughs> at Best. Um, I'm going to recommend Dispatch, and specifically the song Skin the Rabbit on the album America Location 12. I can't speak to all their albums. I haven't gone... I discovered them recently, and I haven't gone back and like listened to all of their stuff. I've listened to America Location 12, which was a 2017 album, and I've listened to Circles Around the Sun, which is 2012. Circles Around the Sun just didn't grasp me the same. I don't know if I would have listened to them again if I'd heard that first. But man, Skin the Rabbit, like, 
I, I don't know what, how to like. You. <laughs> it's like the song reaches out and grabs you like by the ears and is like, "Listen to me!" Like it's so intense, and I like I don't know. It's it's so interesting. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's pretty like heavy, like distortiony, like post grunge stuff. But like, it's not. They're not singing that way. It's more like it's very melodic. Ah, it's weird. It's a weird thing. But and, and it's a super confusing song, um, both in like the way it's structured and in its lyrics. It's so intriguing. Anyway, they go all the way back to like the '90s, so they like freaking know what they're doing by now. They're like some old dudes. <laughs> but, um, '90s man, so old. But yeah, the America Location Twelve is a really really great album. All in all, um, the, a lot of the other songs are a little bit softer and more. Slower and introspective. Skin the Rabbit's a little bit of um, special on that album. But I love, 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 love that song. All right. Um, lastly, I'm going to recommend Dessa. D-E-S-S-A. She is a an a mm-hmm. female hip-hop artist who I found in my quest to find a female hip-hop artist that I really liked besides Iggy Azalea. Wait, wait, let me guess which song you're going to recommend. Uh, children's work nope dang it i love that song i'm going to recommend off of her newest album which came out this year Mm. fire drills which is a very fantastic song that's about women's role in society Mm. it's really Mm. interesting and i think that most of her stuff is really good in particular i really like caster the twin which is kind of a concept album sort of um it has kind of a story to it if you pay attention. Yeah, go check go check her out. She's quite good. But that is all for us for tonight, folks. Uh, we are the Tomcast. And that's all for us. That that's you... all for you. That's all for us. And Anyways. for them. And for them. Some kind of communist. <laughs> I hope that you will find a comic that you enjoy and can connect with. And I hope that you have a good day month year i hope you whatever. stop thinking for yourself just read the comics that we mentioned i'm surprised no one made a joke about cross <laughs> just conform oh gosh no I'm, I'm, we don't I'm talk about cross didn't make All like right. a, a big like joke or uh good night everyone love ya seth michael is running on the platform of wanting to circle jerk with everyone in the world at the same time <laughs> that's my platform can't join hands